So I heard this story about this uh, group that was doing fundraising, having a, an event they were raising funds for, and they, uh, they were behind in their goals, and uh, so this kind of aggressive fellow, he sat down to make some phone calls, and he called a, a very prominent man around town, president of the bank or something or other, and he said, yes, sir, he said, I see here that... Uh, We've done some research on you, and I see that you make over $200,000 a year, and you have yet to contribute to this campaign. You have yet to contribute to this charity. We haven't received from you a dime. And uh, so the guy said, well, does your research on me also include the fact that my mother has uh, illness and is receiving chemotherapy and treatments that are very expensive? Did you, did you catch that in your research? And he said, well, no. Well, does your research reveal to you that um, my brother is blind and unemployed? And uh, he said, no. Well, how about this one? Did your research catch the fact that my sister's husband died and left her broke with four kids? And the guy said, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't know. I didn't know that. And the, the dude said, well, I didn't give anything to them either, so why should I give it to you? <laughs> Giving, giving, according, uh, giving applies to all areas of our life, not just money. But I would like over these next four Sundays, you know, occasionally uh, every year or two, I, I try to come back or I feel like that there's two topics that I always feel like the Lord directs my heart to come back to. One is family and one is money. Because these are issues that are part of our world all the time. And I just feel like periodically I need to come back to these issues. And look at the scriptures and think and talk. And, and, uh, and so during February, uh, each of these four Sundays, I want to talk about different aspects of money and its impact on our life and its, its um, potential in our life. And when I mentioned this, Bryce Mikowski goes, woohoo! So I, I don't know why, but it seemed to make him happy. Um, the thought that that took me down this direction was when I was reading in the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus made this amazing statement. He said, look, if you had a kid and your kid asked you for a piece of bread uh, or if he asked you for a piece of fish, you, you might have, maybe your kids never asked you for a piece of fish. But we don't live in that culture. Moms, if your kid ever asked you for a hot dog or something, Jesus said, are you going to give him a stone? And, you know, we kind of would recoil at that thought and say, what are you talking about? Your kid asks you for something and you give them a, a rock or you give them something that's just bizarre and unrelated. They ask for a gift or they need help and, and you say, here, have this. Just give them a hammer or a rock. Or Jesus said, and we know, of course not. Your kid asks you for something, you're not going to give them a, something that is not even helpful and something that doesn't even make a difference. You're not going to give your kid a stone. And Jesus said, well, if you, evil as you are, if you're smart enough and, and compassionate enough that you're not going to give somebody a rock when they ask you for help with something, how much more does God actually care about your needs? He's not going to give you a rock. 
if you're asking him for a piece of bread. God gives good gifts because he said, Jesus said, even we know how to give good gifts. Not inappropriate gifts, but good gifts. So does God know how to give good gifts to us? And when I was reading that day, it seemed as if the Lord kind of flipped things around in my mind for a moment and said, yes, I know how to give good gifts to you. I'm not going to give you a stone. But do you know how to give good gifts to me? Do you ever give me a stone? When I ask you for your time or your talent or your treasure, do you just give me a stone? And it just... Uh, kind of stuck in my mind. Wow, we probably often do say to the Lord, well, here's what I have for you. And it really isn't anything of value to us. Um, it really isn't. Um, I said to this guy I mentioned yesterday to me that he don't, uh, he don't come to church because church is boring. I said, well, I understand that that's probably true. And there's times where every, any of us get bored in church or anywhere else. But the Lord says to do it. So it's not just about whether I am excited or not. There's things, there's, there's times where God asks for something. I don't give him a stone. I give him what he asks. And so I want us to think about money, not just giving it, but um, different aspects of it over these next couple of weeks. And today, if I can find my laser pointer, today I want to ask, uh, this question of or think about the idea of of the reality of money and the fact that we're all going to have some money, certain amount of money is going to come through our fingers in our lifetime. And so part of our responsibility, it seems to me, and our joy is to kind of plan uh, for that, to anticipate what it is that we would like to accomplish or do or have or, or have as a result of whatever money it is that we have, whether it's a little amount, whether it's a large amount. And, we, and, and, and that, of course, is going to vary from person to person. Here's the story Jesus told in Luke 12 where he says uh, this man who was doing quite well in his business said... I will build bigger barns to store all my good. I think this guy lived along 81 somewhere. <laughs> he said, I need to tear down my barn and build a warehouse. <laughs> I will say to myself, so I, you can't see it very well, don't show up very well, but those two phrases are actually in um, italics. I will build, I will say, because I wanted to point out that in... In, in this story Jesus told, this man is actually, the wheels are turning in his mind. And so he says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to uh, develop this philosophy of life. I'm going to take this strategy now. And Jesus says, but God said to him, sorry, we're done. Appreciate the fact that you have all kinds of plans and dreams. And I appreciate the fact that you've already contacted the builder about the bigger barn. Um, but tonight's your appointment. And Jesus said, well, this is how it's going to be. Somebody 
if you're not rich toward God, in other words, if you didn't send on eternal riches, if you didn't lay up what Jesus called treasures in heaven, all you dealt with was money in your life, and that's all you had to show for anything was just your, your ledger sheet, your bank account. Jesus said, if that's, way, if, if that's the extent of your life, um, then this is how it's going to end. Someday you're just not going to be around to pay the bill for the, book, for the bigger barn. Your kids will get stuck with that. And, and, and you won't have anything to show because you didn't plan. Um, you know, I, I read something so that recently and it, it stuck with me. I thought, why didn't I think of that? That is so clever. Somebody said, some, some people, the reason their ship doesn't come in is because they never sent one out. I'm like, uh, yeah. Uh, our life, in our life, in planning, I'm simply saying, is planning is the process of sending the ship out so that it can then come back in. And, and in the end, we have something to show for we, because we anticipate not just money, but more than this. So this man was planning, uh, and his planning is filled with anticipation. That's what I want to think about here. He just didn't anticipate the one little item that Jesus said brought an end to all his other plannings, and that is that he would die. So it's a, you know, it's a story that Jesus told to kind of jerk your chain and make you think. Make you realize that in all my anticipation, I also need to anticipate in there that at some point the Lord will say your soul is required of you. Today, uh, planning revolves around goals. And the idea of a goal is something that I want or hope or perhaps even feel I need to accomplish and so when that comes down when that comes down to money or where that involves money is the reality as i said that we all can anticipate during our lifetime that some money will come to us now we then have to we then have to do things with that money and so in our anticipation of of dealing with money as it comes through our hands. We, of course, anticipate bills. So we say, all right, uh, I will have many goods and services that I need for my life, and I feel obligated to pay for those. Those are going to require money. I want to res be responsible. I want to pay my bills. So that's part of something we can anticipate, that I'm going to receive some money, but I'm also going to have to pay out money. It's just, it's just how life works. But can I do more than that? In other words, if at the, at the end of my life, can I anticipate things and, and work things in such a way so that at the end of my life, I can look back on my life and say, well, I've not only paid my bills, but I did other things as well. I achieved other things. I accomplished other things. I invested in things. I did something that expressed who I was. I did something that, that showed what I believed. I did something that left behind me a statement. I didn't just pay my bills. I anticipated I would need so much for them. Or I anticipated ways that I could 
keep them to a minimum so that I could use my, uh, the money, at least some portion of what I had, to do something else with besides uh, just build a bigger barn. So what do you hope or hope, what do you hope to accomplish with the money that comes into your hands during your life? Um, that's that's what I'm I'm talking about. And um, anticipate. I'll say this: anticipation doesn't create money. So I can anticipate. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to have any particular amount. But what anticipation does is it, it sets up within me uh, an attitude that says, I want to try this. I, I want to make an attempt. Maybe I'll accomplish it. Maybe I won't accomplish it. But I'm not just going to kind of stand here and allow money to come in and money to go out and, and be mindless and never even think. What does this mean? What could I do with it? How could I use it? How could I bring glory to God with it? Do, how can I use it to lay up treasure for myself in, in, in heaven? I don't, if I'm anticipating money, then I can think about how it is, how it is that I can use it in a, in a way that glorifies God, in a way that goes along with what I want to accomplish in my life. It doesn't create any more money, but it creates an awareness and an effort. And sometimes God is able to bless that in absolutely unique ways because he sees something happening in my mind and my heart, just like the little fish and the little pieces of bread that we read about earlier, where the Lord um, took something that didn't look that promising, but the heart was there, the will was there. You know, Jesus told a parable about what he called faith of the size of a grain of mustard seed. And he said, you know, if your faith is, is there, it may be very tiny, but if it's there and it's real, God will bless it. And that, and that plant can grow. And he said, you know, look at it. It can become something big enough that birds come and build their nest in it. Amazing from starting from a tiny seed. So this is, this is the idea of anticipation. What can I accomplish with money, as I anticipate, as I think about, what can I accomplish with money? Well, I'm just going to go two directions, and you know, uh, there's all kinds of things that we could discuss, but our time is limited, and I just want to have this sort of a paradigm, or this kind of a paradox for us to think about. Some people who may have uh, a lot of money, or, or just moderate amount, amounts of money, but some people actually accomplish very little with their money, whatever it is that they have, whatever resources they have. Uh, when, it, when it's done with their life, hopefully they paid their bills, and maybe, maybe that's all they really accomplished. Um, as far as God was concerned, God got a stone from them. He may have hoped to get something, he may have hoped to get bread or fish, but God only got a stone because... They really didn't accomplish much with their money, no matter how much of that money that they, no matter how much of that money they had. This guy that we just read about earlier, that, that I put the verse up there, it would be an example of a person who uh, built big barns, but he didn't accomplish much in his life 
with what he had. I'm talking about in ways that leave behind a better world, a better family, a better community, or that actually contributed to what he believed in. Jesus called him, or God spoke to him and, and called him a fool. That's not a compliment, by the way. If the Lord looks at your life at the end of it and shakes his head and says, what a fool you have been, uh, you're, you're, not, <laughs> you're not in good shape. And it seems as if this man took the focus of his life in how he could make things easier for himself. Of course, there's nothing wrong with making life as easy for yourself as you can. I'm not, I'm not saying you need to go home and sit on a straight back chair and put a, put a pen or two there and try to torture yourself. Um, use what you have. Use your resources you have to make your life as, as comfortable as you can. But this was the extent of his thinking. I will build these bigger barns and I will say to myself, take life easy and eat and drink and be merry. And so this was the whole consuming idea of his life is, is not, to, not to invest in somebody else or build or, or not to um, develop something or not to uh, give, but rather it seems like the, the, the idea of his life was just to hold on to and, and kind of warehouse what I have. And the Lord was not pleased with that, as he points out to us in other stories in the Gospels, that the idea of simply taking the, the money we have and holding on to it in itself is not pleasing to the Lord. Okay, here's another story that Jesus told. I'm not going to take time because I see it's already 9.30 to read the extent of these, but I have them listed and you can read them. But in this story, here's a, a hard-hearted, cold-hearted dude. And Jesus said he was rich, he lived in luxury, and um, he had there in his household or there nearby a poor beggar. And the beggar just was uh, wanting, Jesus says, to even have the crumbs that the guy threw away. But the man was so calloused in his heart, this rich man, that he wouldn't even give the, the beggar even the crumbs. In other words, my point is, in the story that Jesus is telling, this man could have helped the beggar easily. Even with no sacrifice for himself, he could have helped the beggar. I mean, what do you do with crumbs? You sweep them up and you throw them in the trash. You scatter them out to the birds, whatever. And when Jesus says that he wouldn't even give to Lazarus the crumbs, it's a harsh indictment against this dude. Uh, and then Jesus says, oh, by the way, the rich man died and he, was, and, his, and he went to hell. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes and he's in torment. In other words, his self-awareness was not happy in this environment, in this scenario of, of getting what you deserve after you die. He went to hell. So, what did he accomplish with his life? He didn't help the poor guy who's right there actually pleading for help. And in the end, he ended up not even gaining reward for himself. So it seems like to me what he accomplished was a bunch of regret when he looked back at his life. Here, uh, 
is another story in Mark 10 where a young man who it says had great wealth came and he asked Jesus this most important question of all. Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's just, you know, the, the most important question anybody can ask. And so Jesus, and now this wasn't a story. This is an actual event from the life of Jesus. And Jesus said, um, well, let's start with this. And he looked right into the guy's inner heart. And he knew that this man was a, was a very honorable person. But he also knew that he was very, um, he was like the dude that I talked about in the beginning. He was very tight. He wouldn't help his own mother and his own brother. He's not going to help somebody outside. And, and he, that, that he is, he's, he's pretty tight with his money. And Jesus said, well, what you need to do, or your, his money or his possessions, you need to get rid of some of your stuff. Sell your possessions. Give that stuff to the poor. You're wealthy. You've got plenty to live on. Clear the deck and give it away and come and follow me. And this man, it says in the Gospels, this man who came with a good intention and a good question said, that cost, the cost of that is unacceptable. The thought of giving away what is mine fills me with terror, fills me with re revulsion. I cannot, I will not give away what I've earned or what I've been given. I won't give it away to other people. And he says that he went away so disappointed. Now, it wasn't, and Jesus did not mean that selling things off buys us eternal life. But in this unique situation to this unique man, Jesus knew what it was that was separating him off from God, this sense of greed, this sense of selfishness. And he said, you've got to get rid of that, because he knew that this would get the man's attention. It would humble him. And the man said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. So what did he accomplish with his life? Well, uh, he accomplished a good bit of disappointment. So it is very possible, no matter how much money you have, to end your life and not accomplish very much in, of anything that matters. But as you know, we already read the story of the little boy and the five loaves and two fish. As you know, there's many circumstances, and some of us could tell some amazing stories, where we saw God accomplish amazing things, and we never had much money. In fact, maybe there wasn't even much money involved in it at all. But we still were able to accomplish and some folks in their lives like this little boy. And, you know, uh, I don't know if I read this part or not, but in the beginning of that scenario um, in John chapter 6, in the beginning, it says that when one of the disciples, these, this crowd just materialized and suddenly they just realized it's lunchtime, it's hot, people are hungry, this is going to go south real fast. And... And Jesus said, well, let's get them something to eat. And the disciples said, where would we ever find? Well, how could we ever afford? And this one disciple came and he had this, this little lunch that this boy had packed. I mean, just, you know, some couple small fishes and some bread that his mom probably stuck in. You know, some moms are like that. You just can't leave the house without them putting some food in your pocket. Pretty amazing. And... Uh, and they said, the disciples said, when they came with this little bit, what are these among so many? What difference can this little bit make? 
It's a profound question. It's a realistic question. What I have is not much. Somebody said to me just the last Sunday, they saw that in the bulletin, they said, they said, hey, David, I see you're going to preach about money. I said, yeah, I'm going to. And they said, what's that? <laughs> I don't have any of it. What is it? And, uh, and the implication, of course, from our having a little uh, is often to say, I don't know how we, I could accomplish much in my life if I don't have a sort of an endless stream of income or of money. But the story of John 6, the story of this miraculous feeding of all these thousands of people is that that little bet that seemed so insufficient and so insignificant actually in the end became more than enough. I can't explain it except to say this is what God's about and this is what God does and this is what God has promised to us. He didn't say I'll give you an endless supply of cash. He said I will supply your needs and perhaps he'll supply your needs with a very meager uh, supply of cash. That's up to him. He's the one that made the promise that he would take care of us if we uh, live in faith. But beyond taking care of us, I'm saying we can take care of or accomplish often many good things if we anticipate and say, here's what I'd like to do. Here's what I'd like to um, look back someday and say, I did this. I, uh, I paid for this or I purchased this or I funded this or I invested in this way. I, uh, to, to be able to look back and say, I've helped keep a lot of... We're going to have a missions conference in a couple weeks. I helped to keep missionaries in different parts of the world proclaim the gospel. I helped to do that with my... I just think, wow, what a phenomenal thing to anticipate doing with your life. I helped. I helped to make that possible. Rather than um, simply to say, oh, well, I increased my barn from, you know, from... 3,000 square feet to 6,000 square feet. But no, I didn't, I didn't do anything else beyond that because I didn't really think about or plan or anticipate or dream of those kind of things. <clears throat> In the Old Testament, uh, there is a story of the building of the tabernacle under Moses. There are several chapters there that in Exodus that tell us uh, a, a few details about when they built their church, the, the Israelite people. And the, one of the things that's always impressed me that I think is so pheno phenomenal is that they didn't, each, uh, they, they didn't have a whole lot either. I mean, these were refugees. They had come out of Egypt. They were living in tents and wandering around. But they came to a time where they wanted to build a church. Now, this wasn't a permanent church. It was a big tent. It was a great big tabernacle, a movable tent-like structure. What are they going to build out of? What kind of raw materials do they have available? Um, and so the Lord laid some things out to Moses. And what it, the main thing that he laid out to them was this. I will give some craftsmen some knowledge. And he particularly mentions the name of some individuals. I, I have given them the gifts to work with metal and with wood and with cloth and fiber. And, and these are talented individuals. And they will be the ones who will do the building. And Moses' next question, I'm sure, was, well, where's this stuff going to come from? 
we're out here in the middle of a rocky, barren landscape. Where are we going to get raw materials? And the Lord said, tell the people to bring them. What do you mean, tell the people? Tell the people to bring what they have. And when you read Exodus 35 and 36, it even lists how people brought earrings, pulled earrings off of their ears for the metal, for the gold uh, or silver, and bracelets and rings and all sorts of buckets and, and utensils that each of them had in their home. And each one brought a little bit. And after a while, this pile started to grow. And then the pile got bigger and the pile got bigger. And it says that... The more people gave, the more people got into the spirit of the thing and said, well, I can, you know, I can, live, without, I can live without my car. I don't have to have a car. I, I, I could walk to work. Here, take my car. And, and, and the, the, the thing grew until it became an immensity and an inspiration to everybody. And finally, this guy named Bezalel came to Moses and said, would you please tell these people, don't bring any more. I, I got more than I can work with now. The, and, and my point is, how do we accomplish much with little? One of the ways is that we give little bits at a time over a long period of time, and it grows. One of the phrases that's used there in Exodus 36 is the word tithe. And I'm going to come back to that in a Sunday or two and talk about this idea of giving a tenth of what God gives to us. It's his principle. A tithe is something that I give intentionally. I anticipate doing it. No matter what my income, I anticipate that I'm going to give a tenth of it and I'm going to keep nine-tenths of it. And I give it over and over and over. I don't walk up here in one week and give a lifetime of my tithing. I do it a little bit at a time in connection with the church I'm talking about. What I give to the Lord through the church. I... I do this in small units repeatedly and regularly over a long period of time. That's the idea of tithing. And that's God's program. It's his plan. It's, his, it's how he has asked us to give. And uh, amazingly, you know, these people didn't, none of them had, none of them were wealthy or had, you know, great uh, great accounts that they could draw on, and yet these people built a church with the supplies that they had around their house. When it was all put together, these little things added up and became exciting, exciting, as they built this very richly ornamented tabernacle there in the middle of the desert. So that's my point. Okay. Um, I'm out of time. But I'm going to just re run through these. This, these are from the, this is from the story in Matthew 25 that Jesus told about three men who were given uh, some money. And then the owner or the investor came back later to see how they made out with the money. Two of them had invested that money and it had grown. The third guy, as you know, notoriously dug a hole in the ground and buried it. And he's like the guy who just built a bigger barn. He didn't do a thing with it. He didn't anticipate that he really could do anything or know exactly what to do, so he just froze, and he didn't do anything. And I want to just notice this to close with. When the owner came back, and this has to do with my sense of, of accountability, my, my attitude about my money. 
when he came back, it says that he settled accounts with all three of them. Now, he gave the one five, he gave the one two, he gave, I'll just say, you know, he gave him $5,000, he gave him $2,000, he gave this dude $1,000. But when he came back, he went to all three of them and said, I'm here to settle accounts. What did you do with what I gave you? It didn't matter what he gave the other people. In other words, it doesn't, amount, it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much money you make. We're, it doesn't matter if, if you are just living on the donations and the charity of others. It doesn't matter. You're still accountable to the Lord. You will still be accountable. He came to the dude that he only gave one talent. And he said, now what have you done with what I gave to you? That's a very critical point to me. That we are all, they were all asked the same question. He asked the poor guy, the same as the rich guy, he asked them the same question. Second, the guy that he really called wicked and lazy and foolish was the guy who did nothing. So that says to me, you know, it's really a sinful thing if I do nothing. And the other point is that he said to the the, the, the owner said, well, let's take, it, let's take this thousand that was never used and let's give it to the guy that has five or that, that increased five. In other words, um, the man, the person who did something today was rewarded tomorrow because of his attitude that he said, I, and this, I'm not talking about, um, I, it's not my point here to say, Oh, you need to run around and say, well, here I can get 1.5% interest. Over here I can get 1.55. I mean, you can do that. That's not my point. My point is that with the money that God gives to us, um, the way we anticipate and seek to use it and the purpose and what we seek to accomplish with it for is going to be used to determine other resources available to us in the world to come, in the age to come, tomorrow, even in this life, because God sees and rewards. That's what, that's, so the temptation is to say, well, I don't have much, so it don't matter, or I need everything I have, so I, I, I really can't give it all, or the temptation is often to say, well, you know, I, I'll give, or I will begin to give, or I would love to give whenever I get more. And I'm, I'm simply saying all of these um, need to be factored in when you're anticipating your life and you're anticipating what, what to do. So my bottom line and my final statement is this. It really doesn't matter what I have. It's how much that I trust God with what I have. That's what it seems to me like the New Testament teaches us whether we have much or whether we have little, we can still accomplish something blessed and beautiful if we trust God with what He has given to us. So Lord, we seek to trust You and want to trust You so that we can be good stewards and we can be people that You are excitedly looking on and say, wow, um, with what I have given them, even if it's, though it's small, they truly have accomplished much in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake.